disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Hey sis, welcome back to Black Girl SOS and happy March. It is officially Women's Month and tomorrow is International Women's Day. So I had all these things I wanted to do for Black History Month and for Women's History Month. But with my schedule, a lot of those things are going to be postponed. They're still going to happen this year though because what we do know is that just because it is recognized during February and March doesn't mean that is the only time we celebrate being black or celebrate being women. And it damn sure ain't the only time we celebrate being black women. So these events are still going to happen. They're just going to happen at a later date when my schedule um, is a little more forgiving. That being said, I want to talk about some real shit today. Um, an acquaintance of mine lost, um, he lost a friend recently and she was about my age or our age, me and the acquaintance. Um, and, um, she passed away during pregnancy and we all know that, uh, black women dying during pregnancy has long been an issue. And the fact that it's still an issue in 2020 is, I mean, there's no words and then there's a million words at the same time. And that is something that I will touch on at a later date. Um, what I want to talk about today is in his post, um, he referred to a GoFundMe. And let me be very clear. I don't know that this GoFundMe is to cover what insurance would traditionally cover or if this woman had other children and the GoFundMe is for that, have no idea what the purpose of the GoFundMe is for. I don't know how that money is being used. So do not assume that I'm saying that her GoFundMe was because she didn't have insurance because I don't know any of that to be fact. However, it did trigger in me the fact that a lot of people do use GoFundMe um, in place of life insurance these days. And that it made me think about growing up in the Bronx when, um, people would pass away, especially older people and their families would come knocking on the doors, you know, the, you know, neighbors, they would just come knocking on the doors, taking a collection, you know, to help pay for final expenses. And I remember growing up, you know, I'm, we all know I'm 40. Um, growing up, we still had like the insurance men that came to your house and they had the little receipt book and shit. And my mom always preached insurance. Always. I mean, we used to snap on her ass to the umpteenth power. Like this motherfucking rent might be behind, but the insurance is paid. Like, sis, can we take care of this rent first? And she'd be like, we're not getting kicked out this apartment. There's a whole procedure for that shit. And this rent will be paid before that procedure is even a thing. But if your ass die tomorrow, ain't no motherfucking procedure for that. Say less, sis. <laughs> sis used to get motherfuckers together. And this is, you know, this is when we were really young. We had probably just moved into um, the apartment. 
I don't even think I was 10 yet. I think I might have been 9 going on 10. Um, and she just, she always preached insurance. If I remember correctly, our insurance guy's name was Richard. Richard came by the house, I don't know, at least twice a year we saw Richard. <laughs> Richard was a really nice white guy. Um, he always, he knew everyone by name, you know, even the family that, um, you know, wasn't in our immediate household. He knew, you know, he asked how my grandmother was doing. Oh, you know, how's your brother's doing? Like he, he knew who our family was. We had a, you know, as personal a relationship as you can have with someone that you really have a business relationship with. And, and I just, I grew up in an environment where insurance was a non-negotiable. And so when people would knock on our doors and ask for money, I used to always be like, why the fuck these motherfuckers ain't got no insurance? Like, who the fuck don't know that? You know, because in my house, this is the norm. This is the norm. And obviously at that point, I'm not, I'm not sophisticated enough in my train of thought to understand that everyone isn't raised the same way. Every, you know, what's normal to you is not normal to this person. Um, and so I'm just like, I mean, what the fuck? Especially when it would be an older person. Um, I would just be like, motherfucker was old anyway. Like, why the fuck y'all wasn't prepared? Like, none of us are getting out this shit alive. You know, shit like that. I mean, I still say that because tis a fucking fact. Um, none of us are getting out of this alive. So it's important to be prepared. And, you know, it just I just always thought it was, I thought it was stupid. I thought it was irresponsible. And it just, it never really made sense to me. Fast forward as I, as I got older, um, and I'm like probably in high school now at this point, insurance is second nature to me. Like I got insurance on everything. My goddamn beeper, my cell phone, if they selling insurance on some shit, I'm fucking getting it. Um, Fast forward, I'm going to college, I'm renting cars now. Yes, I always want the insurance. You don't have to ask me twice. I'm signing all three fucking lines. I need all the insurance that you have to offer, especially when I don't have my own insurance, right? So I just, insurance became so ingrained and so innate that um, it just it, it just never made sense to me and didn't dawn on me how many people, well, one, it didn't make sense to me that everybody that have insurance, right? I grew up with health insurance, life insurance, like everything. I was insured. <laughs> um, so it didn't make sense to me that everybody didn't have insurance. And then as I continue to progress, you know, I'm in different spaces. I'm meeting different people. You know, college is a fucking melting pot of any and everybody that you could possibly meet. And I'm learning not only do people not have insurance, motherfuckers don't even know shit about it. And I'm like, yo, I felt like that mean with the black guy that stand back and look around the room like, wow, y'all know shit about it? That's crazy. Fast forward to becoming a whole ass adult with fucking pension and 401k and blah, blah, blah. And people who are my laterals, who I admittedly hold to, I I hold them to a different standard, whether that's right or wrong. It's a fact. Um, 
And when I say my laterals, I mean people who are also very well educated, people who um, have been working for a substantial amount of time. You know, I expect that these people are prepared. I expect that these people are well versed enough in how the world works that they know the importance of insurance. They know what it is. They know why they need to have it. And they have it um, because now they've been working long enough to be able to afford to include that in their regular bills. Um, I found out <laughs> or I continue to find out that I'm loud and fucking wrong. <laughs> I am loud and wrong. So many of us don't know. So many of us are so unprepared. So many of us don't have life insurance. And the scary part is that so many of us have responsibilities that will outlive us. And that shit, that shit bugs me out. Um, but rather than be the petty motherfucker I could be and drag motherfuckers with a meme, um, I'd rather share some information and share some knowledge. Because truth be told, as much as I enjoy a good petty meme like anybody else, that doesn't help. And you know better, you do better. And part of doing better is helping somebody else do better. So if I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to know the value, know the importance then I have a responsibility to share that information and to pass that information on. And while I very normally do this in my my personal life, um, I've got a little larger platform, so I'm going to do it again. And hopefully as this platform continues to grow, I'll have an even bigger platform to reiterate these thoughts um, to my fellow sisters. So... If you um, use your Googles, <laughs> you will see that Google tells you that the average cost of a $250,000 policy is $67.88 a month, right? That is individual average quarter million dollar policy. Understand that the premium on your policy is going to vary by your age in your health risk, right? It's also going to vary by whether or not you have whole insurance or term insurance. Now, you may be feeling like, yo, sis is about to hit me with a lot. I might have to come back to this podcast later. If that is the fact, that's cool. Here's what you do. <laughs> Stop the podcast now. When you come back to the podcast, pick it up at about... I don't know, almost 11 minutes in with your pen and paper and, and or a post-it, whatever, <laughs> and jot some stuff down that may be helpful to you. Um, so the first thing you should do when assessing a good policy for you is take your age into consideration because your age is going to dictate how high or low your premium is. And it's also going to dictate your ability to secure um, insurance. Insurance companies really don't like to insure old people for the obvious reasons. They don't like to insure sick people for the obvious reasons. And that's not to say you won't be able to get insurance if you're older or you have health issues. But that's to say anticipate paying a higher premium 
because the likelihood that you are going to cash out on that premium is higher than someone who is healthier and younger. Makes sense? I hope that makes sense. Um, you also want to think about whether or not you want to buy this policy as an individual or if you have some groups that you can tap into. Groups are always going to get you better rates just because of the volume of business that that insurance company is getting from that group. So once upon a time, a million thousand years ago, like my first salary job, I had my life insurance through my job and that was the only life insurance that I had. In truth, I wasn't even really worried about it because my mother has policies on everybody. I already told y'all how my mama gave it up. So she's got policies on everybody and about 30 policies on herself. Which should also be proof positive how much we love her. Because if we didn't, we knock her off for the money. <laughs> she always jokes with us like that. Like, I know you motherfuckers trying to knock me off so y'all can get my insurance money. Nah, man. We love shades of the death. Uh, well, to life. That was definitely a no pun intended. But um, so you want to tap into your groups. And at that time, my group was a not-for-profit and it was a it was going to come out of my check automatically so I didn't have to see it. And that was a that was a good setup for me, a good situation. So that's a good first approach if, it, if this is your first introduction into getting life insurance. See if your job offers it. And if they do, that's a great way to go about it because that money is already out your check before you act, before you see that money. And that's helpful. It feels less like the paying of a bill. Feels more like investing. Do it that way. A lot of this shit, a lot of adulting is a fucking mental game, right? <laughs> a lot of it is you trying to trick yourself into doing what you know you need to do without feeling away. So that that's a good way to get into it the first time. If you don't have that option through your job and um and you've graduated from some college or some professional school. See if that school's alumni network has an insurance policy that they offer. I personally utilize my alumni insurance. So my life insurance is through the University at Buffalo. Um, it's a large institution. We have an unquantifiable amount of alumni. So we get an extraordinary rate. So my insurance, I have a quarter of a million dollars. Actually, I think I might have upped it to 300. I can't even recall. But it's at least a quarter of a million dollars. And I pay under $50 every quarter. So I don't even pay monthly. So you want to tap into whatever groups that you have access to and find out if those groups have, um, if those groups have a life insurance um, policy that they offer. Because that's really going to get you a good rate. Um, if you are a professional and you, and you belong to a professional organization, um, for those of us who are attorneys, if you are a Phi Alpha Delta member, PAD absolutely has like the hookup on everything. I mean, from Brooks Brothers to life insurance, if it exists, PAD has a discount on it. Go forth and flourish. Lord knows that I do. Also big facts, you know, just a sidebar. I don't believe in paying full price for anything except for probably some fucking J's because that's my vice. That's my vice. But honestly, anything that you can get a discounted rate on, you should do that. Always, always, always maximize your savings. 
Um, so like I was saying, colleges, professional groups, um, professional associations, fraternal organizations. And honestly, it doesn't even necessarily have to be you. You could be, um, if you're the spouse of someone who belongs to, you know, has the alumni network or a fraternal organization or a professional organization, you might still be able to access these discounted rates through your mate. Listen, okay, utilize all your resources. If you bank with a credit union, almost every credit union, at least the two I belong to, which are MCU and Navy Federal, they both offer insurance. Credit unions are a godsend. If you do not have a credit union, get one. I will give you guys a whole episode on credit unions at a later date, but get your credit union. They also offer life insurance. You just want to utilize, you want to leverage the volume of people to get yourself the best rate. Um, and also if you, with a lot of these things, because they tend to be term policies, you don't have to worry about the, you don't have to worry about the health exams. Now they're not all term policies, but, and, and even, and not all term policies let you not take a health exam. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is very often with these um, group rate, these group discounted policies, they tend to be term and they tend to require a lot less by way of health exams. So that's another way, especially if you're someone who might be a little older and who might be ill. That is another way to try to help set yourself up um, to get insurance. Now, let me just take a pause for the cause to let you all know that I am not anyone's financial advisor. I am not, I'm not the end all to be all. I'm not the gospel. I'm really just sharing with you guys what has been a truth in my life, what, you know, tips and techniques that I have used that have benefited me, that have benefited people I have um, advised, people that I've, you know, just shared my information with. Use it how you see fit. I always say, by all means, um, write down everything and then verify it, right? So we say at work, trust but verify. So trust that I'm not telling you anything false. Trust that I would never lead you astray. But do your own due diligence and, and do verification. Look this stuff up. See what makes sense for you. See what's right for you. And, and, you know, make your decisions that way. I'm not by any means the end all to be all on things insurance. I just know enough to not totally fuck this up. <laughs> um, so I keep talking about whole and term. And one of the big or the overarching issues with insurance is that a lot of people don't even know the difference between whole versus term. If you ask people. Some people will just say straight up and down, listen, sis, I'm not going to hold you. I don't know the fucking difference at all. Um, others will tell you, all I know for sure is that whole is always more expensive than term. So I'm going to just get term. Here's what, here are like some really quick facts that you should know. Again, this is not the ends all to be all on the differences. And I am not making a suggestion on what works for you. That's something that you have to assess with you and your family um, and, and all relevant parties. So a real quick breakdown on whole or just some fast tips on whole. Whole insurance covers you 
for your life, the entirety of your life. Whole insurance not only pays out a death benefit, but it accumulates cash value. What that means is that you can borrow against your insurance up to the amount of the cash value. Now, in truth, the premiums on whole um, life insurance are generally higher than term. However, depending on how long you have a whole insurance, the lifespan of what you pay could end up theoretically being less than having to have multiple term policies. Theoretically, that could happen. But in general, the premiums are higher with whole life insurance. You will take that health exam. You will take it. Um, Also, about the cash value, I didn't mean to skip over this because it's very important. Also, it generally takes about 10 to 15 years for a substantial amount of cash value to build up in that asset. Yes, life insurance is an asset and it takes it takes a, a substantial amount of time for that asset to accumulate additional value. So, you know, stay alive. <laughs> I kid. I mean, I don't kid. I do want you to stay alive, but y'all know what I'm saying. And then for term, some really like just bullet points for term. Term policies For one, they are specifically for a term. That's where the name comes from. They'll be for 10 years or 15 or 20 or 30 years. They are for a specific amount of time. They only pay out death benefits. So you can't borrow against a term policy. That policy is only going to pay out in the event that the person who is the policy holder dies during the term of that policy. That is the other thing. You have to you would have to pass away during the term of that policy for that policy to pay out. Many term policies allow you to renew in order to keep that coverage. In truth, I have never heard of a, a term policy that does not allow you to renew, but the urban legend is that they exist and so I will just put that out there, you know, Jot that down. Um, they, they are very easy to get in comparison to whole policies because, as I mentioned earlier, you almost never need to take that health, that health exam. Um, the term policies tend to be more affordable, um, which is really good if you got if you just if you have an overwhelming amount of other expenses and or debt. The term policy tends to be a lot more affordable um, an option. A lot, not a lot of people, but some people, definitely older people, at least older people that I've known, um, in my life, they use term to supplement their whole policy. So they have both a whole life insurance policy and a term life insurance policy. I only have term life insurance. Um, I, I'm lying. Let me take that back. I'm lying. Once upon a time, I only had term. The policy that I have outside of work, the one that I have with my alumni network, is a term policy. That's the one that I've always kept for, you know, that I've always kept up on my own, regardless of who my employer is. Currently, I do have a whole life policy through my employer. 
So I do have both. But for me, the whole is more of the supplement than the term just because I'm not married to my employer. So when I leave that job, that, that life insurance policy is, is not going to follow me. But my term insurance is going to follow me. Um, and the term in, with the term insurance, just, you know, a little Snapple fact or a tidbit or a little something that I've advised other people that has worked for them is that, um, especially as you get older, insurance in general is just really hard to get after 50. Once you hit 50, for whatever reason, it's like they they don't realize that the average life is a lot longer than that. So now when you hit 50, um, everyone wants to run up the tab on you. So getting term insurance is more expensive. Home is expensive out the gate, so it becomes that much more expensive. So if you already have a whole policy and you do want to supplement with a term policy, you want to try to get a term policy that's going to run past your 50th birthday. Um, if you are somebody who, like me, kind of leans more towards term policies, just as a general rule of thumb, you want to go with a term that's going to go past your 50th birthday if that's possible. You know, like if the, if you're only being offered a 10, a 10 year term policy and, and you're 30, well, obviously you don't have the opportunity to do that. But when that opportunity presents itself for you to secure a policy where the term is going to exceed your 50th birthday, you should go ahead and take that because that'll just give you some years of cost savings. Cause once you're over 50, they're going to charge you more regardless. Um, so that's just a little snap of fact, little tidbit that, you know, I hope helps. I I have this this fascination with the Jews. Um for the people that know me personally, this is literally no surprise to you as almost everyone has given me a Jewish last name because of um just my respect for the way especially New York Jews. New York Jews are my favorite and I might be biased cuz I'm a New Yorker, but um just the way that they handle a lot of things business-wise in a way that they manage to successfully accumulate generational wealth after, you know, having everything taken from them. So the quickest way to begin building generational wealth, or rather the easiest way, I won't say the quickest because that's not an accurate statement. The easiest way, excuse me, to begin building generational wealth is through life insurance. It is not expensive and it immediately changes the position of the next generation upon your passing. So using my, my family as an example, um, and obviously, you know, I not, well, yeah, obviously, you know, I obviously don't wish anything ill on my mom. I want her to live forever, but I know nothing would break my mother's heart more than outliving her children. So, I mean, I, I'm not trying to lose this until like 60 seconds before me. You know, like that's how much I adore my mother. That being said, if my mom were to pass away... um me and my siblings, our economic 
tax bracket would change substantially. Theirs would change way more substantially than mine. That was a, that was a light flex. <laughs> Cause I'm the oldest. <laughs> that was a light flex. Um, but yeah, like our, our situation would change. We would definitely all be in a different tax bracket. Um, they might actually catch up to me finally. <laughs> I got to talk my shit, y'all. I'm sorry, not sorry. No, so, you know, our, our tax bracket would change. We would definitely be able to do certain things that we can't do now because we would have an overwhelmingly different amount of money if my mom were to pass away. And that would position us to one, be able to invest more, um, be able to invest in real estate, invest in the market. We would be able, we would be positioned to do certain things that we maybe can't do with as much ease now, or in, in some of my siblings cases are not able to do at all at the moment. Um, so her life insurance policies would really set us up to be able to set the next generation up behind us with even more. And that is essentially um, how it works or how it should work. Unfortunately, very often we all know that that's not the truth of the matter. But why I want to drop that bug in your ear is because that is how it should work. And I feel like if if you're young enough, and especially if you, you have young children or you, you haven't started having children yet, if you want children, um, or you haven't uh, taken any guardianship over children, if you are looking to adopt, or you know maybe you're going to step in to help out with family members, kids, things like that. When you are still in a place where you can um, influence the generation behind you, this is the bug that you need to be dropping in their ear so that the understanding, so that the second nature is that I'm setting you up one so that you don't have the expense of my final expenses, right? Funerals are very, very expensive. I have unfortunately laid a lot of people to rest. And this is also why I tend to, why I am as well versed in insurance as I am. It's because I'm basically like the the mortician for, for my family and many other loved ones. I, I've just, I've had more experience with death than I wish I've had. But as a result, I understand the cost associated with it. I understand how irrational people can be um, when they're dealing with death, um, especially when there's the potential to get money involved. And so you want to start to put this in their mind from very early on to understand what the purpose of this life insurance is. Make sure the bills are, make sure the final, um, the final bills are paid. Make sure, you know, my final resting place is paid for without you needing to necessarily go into your pocket to make these things happen. And then whatever is left over, leverage that money to better position yourself and then better position who's coming behind you. So because that was always, it was it was told to me growing up. It was re-emphasized through experiences, and then in my own um, natural infatuation with um, with Jewish with Jewish people um, in in the manner in which they conduct business and 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 some other things, but mainly in the manner that they conduct business and and create wealth. Um, I learned 
you know, these things were just even more reinforced. So it was like I had a, a, a beginner's level understanding through my mother. Um, it was reinforced through experience. And then I sought more information on my own. And as a result, I, I understand how very powerful a tool a life insurance policy can be. It can literally change your family's life in two generations. In two generations, life insurance can change your family's life if it's leveraged the right way. So, you know, I just, I want to implore to my sisters, be, be mindful, be prepared, be cognizant, um, do your due diligence, sit with the professional, sit with your family. I just want us always to be, pre be prepared. I don't want us to find ourselves in situations where we have to lean on people that we don't know. We have to lean on people that we don't trust. And that's not to say that there's not a value in community because it is. I've always thought really highly in my community because when people knocked on the door, even though I thought they were foolish for not being prepared, that they always got what they needed. So there is a value in community and I've always valued my community because of that. However, I find a value in being prepared. I find a value in making sure that my family, while they're already mourning, doesn't have the additional burden of having to knock on people's doors. You know, my my biggest thing has always been that I never want to let, you know, I never want to let my mom down. I never want to let my grandparents down. Like the people that mean the most to me, I never want to let them down in life or in death. And so it's just very important to me that as an adult woman, that I do all that I can do to be prepared and make sure that God forbid there's an untimely, you know, loss of my life, that my family is in a situation where it, it's not going to be to their detriment. You know, I, we have, my family has experienced, um, having detrimental situations in, in death in dealing with death. And, and this is us with the life insurance, you know, because there are a lot of things that go into it. You know, you need to be able to send these documents in. You need to have access to these documents to send these things in. And, you know, I've literally run the gambit up from very good to really, 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 really dire experiences in dealing with death and in dealing with life insurance companies. So when I tell you, that I'm coming from my absolute bottom of my heart and saying that I always want us to be prepared. I mean that shit. Like I don't want anybody to have to experience the really bad side of having to deal with losing a loved one and not being economically prepared for it because you honestly can't, there's no, you can't, you can't brace any other way. Like you don't know what your emotional reaction is going to be. You don't know what your health, you know, your physical reaction is going to be. You can't brace for none of that shit, but you can economically prepare for the inevitable. And unfortunately, that isn't inevitable. And we hate to talk about it. And that's another thing, another stigma that I want to break. And I want us as black women to unlearn. We need to talk about this shit. It can't be that I'm uncomfortable with death. So I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I hate to think about shit like that. Sis, this is a part of life. None of us are getting out of it alive. So we need to be prepared. We need to be mature enough to have these conversations. We need to be mature enough to take in information 
And we have to be diligent enough to seek information where we lack it. That being said, I know that was a lot for a Saturday. I hope you're on your way to brunch <laughs> so that you can decompress with some bottomless mimosas if you drink or some sparkling cider if you do not. Until next time, sis. I mean, I just want to prepare y'all. It's going to be a real march. We're talking about some real shit. Okay. But until next time, y'all have a good one. <laughs>